You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. Arc 2 is proudly sponsored by HeroForge, a free online character design application that lets you make and order your very own custom TTRPG minis. Their character creation tools are rich and deep, with facial customization, animal companions, action poses, spell effects, hundreds of clothing options, and nigh infinite color choices. Get a color printed mini, unpainted premium plastic, bronze minis, color standees, or even your very own digital STL files for printing at home or use in virtual tabletops. To see their tools in action, go to Hero Forge Minis on Twitter and search Artemis. They made a mini of Nova's very own Hand of Fate, and she looks good. Check out Hero Forge today at heroforge.com. Content warnings for this episode include alcohol, drinking, heights, falling, environmental disasters, gambling, and references to sex. Arc 2, Episode 7. The Truth Can Hide. From Carved Inside an Empty Urn by Connie Chong. All things considered, Hun Xiaocheng was having an okay day. They'd found the Western Wind God's secret cachet of wine. They ate a breakfast of kings from the empty divine kitchens. Even Goose was behaving, mostly. And now, as the sun reaches its zenith in the midday sky, we find Xiaocheng returning to the Rui Town Square, one of many abandoned plazas in the City of Heaven. This one is a home base of sorts, far away enough from the royal palace to not remind them of the, well, everything, but close enough to the comforts of food, wine, and a silk-trimmed bed. In the center of the Rui Town Square, Xiaocheng sits at the low table they pilfered from some administrative building or other, shuffles a deck of cards, and deals themselves and Goose a starting hand for Shengzi. Goose ruffles his feathers, chews his cards, and as for Xiaocheng, they study their opponent over the tops of their own fanned out cards. Goose is, well, a goose, there's no other way to slice it. Yesterday, Xiao Cheng had tried putting him in robes, a little outfit, tassels to match their own, anything to cure the overwhelming boredom and anxiety of being the only person left in the city of heaven, but Goose had refused. And now here he was, wasn't he? Butt naked and proud of it. Honk. <sighs> Xiao Cheng sighs deeply. They shake their head. The orange tassels dangling from their ears sway from side to side. Ah, Goose 
dives for the gourd. Not the one at Xiaocheng's hip, but the smaller, uncracked one on the table, full of the Western Wind God's secret wine. But Xiaocheng deftly snatches it away. Ah 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 their orange eyes go wide. They spring to their feet, magic tensing around their body, and then... Ah! Goose bravely takes off toward the west, wings flapping, mouth full of cards, half running, half flying in the direction of that explosive noise. Xiaocheng tries grabbing him, but only gets a fistful of feathers and a lot of air. But it's too late. Gooses rounding a corner, picking up speed, fleeing the scene. No, running toward his destiny. Xiaocheng hesitates for half a moment, half a second, their heart pounding in their throat. What was that noise? Are they not actually alone? Was someone else left behind? Who could it be? How? When? But there's no time to dawdle on these inquiries. They nod to themselves, take one last swig of wine, and set off running after Goose. And the rest is... As they say, history. Xiaocheng stands before your party, their torso bent in a steep, respectful bow. As they raise their brilliant, huge orange gaze, that final sentence trails from their lips. I am Hun Xiaocheng, the courtier of four symbols, and, well, until the three of you arrived, the last person left in the City of Heaven. And this is Goose. Xiaocheng gestures at the goose called Goose. Goose is currently nosing at the hem of Zainan's robes as though looking for more treats. And Xiaocheng continues, oh, don't mind him. He really is quite lovely, if rather temperamental. Not much of a conversationalist though, but enough about my companion. What about the three of you? You don't seem like gods. Are you cultivators? And now, I'd like to properly introduce City of Mist to everyone here at the table. Because as Xiaocheng's brilliant orange eyes fall upon each of you, they don't just see what's on the surface, they see what's underneath. In City of Mist, which is the system we're playing for Arc 2, the players embody rifts, who are ordinary people comprised of a Logos, which is their ordinary, regular Joe mortal side, and a Mythos, which is their magical side, which typically manifests as a real-world myth or fairy tale. So your Logos is something like you're a doctor, you're a gambler, you're a wanderer, and your Mythos would be something like King Arthur, a werewolf, a storm god. Each rift is further subdivided into four theme cards. These are abilities, personality traits, objects, goals, occupations, routines, or basically literally any conceivable topic that relates to either your mythos side or your logos side. So let's say your rift logos is gambler and your mythos is storm god. So you could have two theme cards related to being a gambler like Bullshitter, which is a personality trait, and High Roller, which describes your access to wealth. And your two remaining theme cards could be related to your mythos being a storm god, such as Thunder and Lightning, which is a suite of abilities, and Call of the Seas, which might reference your destiny. 
Each of these theme cards grants you three power tags to start, which you can add to your roles when you attempt to make moves in order to get a better outcome. There are a lot more rules than that in City of Mist, but that's all we need to know for now. So with that in mind, let's start with Zynan. What mythos and logos are you defined by here in the City of Heaven, and what four theme cards correspond to each? Zynan has a logos of the lone survivor, and his mythos is the ghost of Kaseki. His logos themes, he has three. The first one is the lone survivor of Kaseki, which is a defining event. The second one is his personality, everyone and no one. And his third one is his bow, the birdsong bow, specifically. And then his mythos, the less seen part of him, dust to dust, an adaptation theme. Ooh, yes. I believe in City of Mist terms, Zynan is a, uh, a touched rift, which means they're mostly logos. It's like three of the theme cards refer to their mundane side and only one of them refers to their magical or mythical side. And so they're kind of touched by the mist, but not fully walking into their mythos yet. Lovely. Let's go over to Sayir. What about you? What are you made of? All right. So Sayir's logos is the little hunter while his mythos is the Doomed One. He has four theme books split right down the middle between Logos and Mythos. The Logos theme books are The Chosen One's Shadow, which is a defining event. The Little Hunter, which is a training type uh, Logos theme book. And his Mythos theme books are Donation, which is called The Omen Speaker, and Expression, Doom Incarnate. Wow, that's so normal, Sayer. Don't worry <laughs> about <Sayer>. it. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah, that denial is working out real well for you, it's isn't it? Fine. Uh, <laughs> Sayer is what's known as a borderliner. So two logos, two mythos. You're kind of like right in the middle, balanced between these two halves of yourself. So now let's pan over to our final member, surviving member of Strike Team Nova, Lumira. What about you? God, Connie. That is a kick in the fucking chest every time. Uh, okay, whew, yeah. Um, so uh, Lumira's logos is combat medic and uh, her mythos is Tungal's chronergist. So her theme books as well are split right down the middle. For her logos, she has what's called combat medic, which is a training theme book, as well as Lumira's oath which is what's considered a mission theme book. And then for her mythos, we have Tungal's Pocket Watch, which is a relic uh, out of the relic theme book. And then she has Budding Chronergist, which is an expression theme book. Yes, excellent. Okay, so now that we know how your personas are manifesting in the City of Heaven, we now turn our gaze back to those bright orange eyes as Xiaocheng goes on to say, so, are you cultivators? And if so, how did you get here? Yes, Sayer, strangely enough, is the one that steps forward and starts speaking completely out of character for him. And everyone in himself realizes this as well. Yes, um, we are uh, cultivators. Uh, I'm Sayer. Um, these are my companions. And, and we j just showed up. Honk, honk. You... You just showed up? Yes, we are cultivators 
apologies for my friends here. I don't think they're familiar with a goose as before. While this is going on, Zion's trying to like introduce himself, but he's also like a little bit like enamored with the goose that's trying to like dig through his stuff. And so he's kind of stuck between like crouching down and like opening up his robes to show the goose he doesn't have any snacks, but also trying to like participate as a proper agent and an adult person in this conversation. <laughs> and he's kind of like half bent over and he kind of straightens up. Yeah, we uh, we just came in on the dais back there. The Ascension Gate? Yes. But I sealed all of them. How did you get through? And on whose summons did you arrive? Actually... Yours. Yours, yeah. M- mine? Oh, but I'm... I'm just a lowly courtier. I... This doesn't make any sense. I, I've never heard of you three. Sayer and what are the two of you called? Lumira. Lumira. And Zainan. Zainan. Well, it is definitely an honor and a pleasure to meet you, though I... I don't know how... I didn't... Are you... And there's a pause. As all three of you see a trickle of suspicion start to darken Xiao Chong's face, they don't move away, but they do lean back slightly. I don't believe I sent summons to anyone. Sometimes our will alone can trigger a calling, whether intentional or not. Calling? Well, the three of you must have had extra powers to push through those ascension gates. Well, because of all the disasters in Yaolan, yes? Yes. Yeah. And that suspicion begins to trickle away from their face. They lean forward again and a look of deep sadness and a little bit of anxiety begins to settle around their angular striking face. Oh, yes, the disasters. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. I Remind me again. Yes? How does that cut off access to the city of heaven? I never did quite get that straight. The disasters themselves didn't. I, I made an executive decision to seal off the gates myself. It seemed the safest thing to do to prevent the demons from knocking on the City of Heaven's door, seeing an empty expanse and deciding to take over. So it seemed like a, a necessary trade-off. Yeah, this seems like a very confusing time for everybody involved. You said empty? There's no one else. No, I- Just you. Has it always been empty while you were here? No, oh, no, 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 this- this is a this is a recent development, you see. Oh, I suppose if the three of you ascended from Yaolan, you really wouldn't know. But before I tell you exactly what's been going on here, do I have your word that you won't speak of this outside of our present company? There's no one to tell. I don't know anyone else here outside of my associates and you. Sarah literally pans around to look around. Yeah, it's completely empty. While he does that, Zyna looks down at the goose. <laughs> you won't tell anyone, will you? That's a no. Okay, then. Very well. Seven days and six nights ago, on the evening of the Emperor's proclamation, the mist thickened around the entire city of heaven. Out of nowhere! I couldn't see three boo ahead of myself. And then the mist thinned, and then everyone was gone. Just like that. There was no violence, no bloodshed. Everyone just vanished right into the mist. Well, everyone, everyone except me. 
and I have no idea why. I've been trying to figure it out this entire past week. I'm not embarrassed to admit I even tried shouting out loud for help, but obviously I got no answer. Unless that's how the three of you heard me. Did you hear me shouting from heaven? Uh, in a sense. Lumera doesn't say anything, but her eyebrow quirks up and she kind of like leans forward as in like a, you would know. Huh. Well, the three of you must be very esteemed and powerful cultivators indeed. Right on the cusp of ascension yourselves, I must say. Lumira grins. This, uh mist that came through. You don't think it had anything to do with the festival, do you? I'm not sure. The festival... Well, yes, festivities were being put up all day until around evening time, mere hours before the Emperor's announcement, and then the mist came and everyone left, so maybe something in the festival caused it, but I wouldn't know. What were they going to announce? Oh. Hmm. And a a shadow falls across Xiaochong's face before they lift their eyes back up and say, Well, like I mentioned, the morning that everyone vanished, the Emperor made a surprise proclamation. It shocked everyone in the city, myself included, despite serving at her side for the better half of eight centuries. But no matter, she announced that she was finally ready to declare her virtue. And Xiaochong drops that like it's a bombshell that anyone would understand what that meant, including three mortals from Yalan. Oh. Um. Zayn <laughs> <laughs> so looks at Seer like, maybe he knows what's going on. How did she come to that decision? He said, like, Seer, I think, in- internally <laughs> catches that moment, actually. He's had a great amount of experience watching as a wallflower around the space and noticing the subtleties that folks give off. And instead of doing what he does best and listening in and just focusing while the other two dredge truth from this person, he pushes all that instinct aside and makes conversation instead. How did she come to that decision? Was she, I mean, you said that the emperor was about to make a, a proclamation where they Did they also disappear? The Emperor? Yeah. (sighs) Yes. Emperor Lungdu is is gone as well, which is not a good sign. If if a force or a person could vanish the Emperor, the immortal ruler of heaven, I... But why was I left behind? I... I'm sorry, it's been a very hard week. Lemire's been walking kind of around in circles. Her hands are tied and ringing behind her back as she's walking around and listening. Well, clearly there is some type of higher purpose as you still being left singular amongst the rest to tell the tale or otherwise. You said it was a, a, a celebration. I yes. I would consider that the town would be very noisy up until that time. So when the mist came, was there no distinct sounds or noises that you heard? Were there any type of tracks or things that were left behind? Or was it just someone was there and then wasn't any longer? Well, 
it was turning to nighttime, and the emperor had said that morning that she was going to announce her virtue at night, so the festivities got more and more elaborate and enthusiastic as the hours wore on and the sun kissed the horizon and the moon and the stars came out. And as, of course, is customary in the city of heaven, the mist did thicken around nighttime. This isn't necessarily so unusual, but the degree to which the mist coagulated, I've, I've never seen anything like it. It's like one moment we were here, there was a nice cover of a uh, fog all around us, and then I couldn't see even my hand that I stretched out in front of my body, and then the mist thinned and everyone was gone. I suppose in terms of a noise, it was less so an extra special noise and more so the absence thereof. When the mist thickened to such a degree, everything became very muddled, very just blended together. And then silence. Hmm. So the mist thickened to a point where it muddled sound almost as if being underwater. Yes, I suppose one could say that. Or as though walking in a dream. Dream? You have an idea of a mirror? I'm articulating in my brain right now. Well, we'll leave you to that then. Sayer looks over at Zainan, and I think he like raises an eyebrow over the the weird repetition of declaring her virtue, but you see that this young boy with those hesitant blue eyes keeps like biting his lip, trying to figure out how to dredge that up. And he keeps looking at you, maybe to save him from this predicament that he is in. There's a, a pleading behind Zion's eyes, like, come on, you. this is your thing. Like you just find out strange information. You just kind of pull it in. That's how this works, right? And he's he's looking and seeing the panic instead, and he kind of like very subtly just inclines his head slightly. Uh, forgive me and my uh, newness to this place, but you said the four symbols. What is that domain, if you don't mind my asking? Oh, yes. Well, it's more so just a description of the four directions of all of heaven, north, south, east, and west. I'm the courtier of all four directions, all four symbols. Therefore, I have no allegiance to any specific person outside of the emperor herself. I have no political aspirations of my own, so I serve everyone with equal and equivalent diligence, acting as a uh, imperial liaison of sorts. Like I said, my only reporting supervisor is Emperor Lundu. Well, until now, I suppose, I don't know where the emperor went. Do you have any other peers that only report to her? <sighs> only one other peer, the head administrator, Twinsing. Hmm. And Twinsing is gone. Yes, 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 Twinsing is gone. Everyone is gone, even the top candidates for the position of virtue, of which, of course, Twinsing is one. So it narrows his eyes at the position of virtue, just trying to like parse out as much information as possible, but trying to work with a subtle hand, which not always his strong suit. The candidates, where were they in all of this? Well, last I heard, they were in their particular favored stomping grounds, preparing for the festivities in their own way. Each of them, I think as a show of confidence, was attempting to both prepare in the event that they were chosen and in the event that they were not. Hmm, quite an honor to be chosen. Oh yes, an immense honor. The greatest one one could hold outside of being emperor yourself. Then why do you look so sad? What do you mean? Your face fell when the... And Sayer looks at the other two, realizing that he's put his foot in his mouth once again. 
when the you said the emperor declared her virtue yes well it's more so i suppose it's twofold one is that well things won't ever be the same again i suppose after the virtue is selected whoever fills that seat will be guiding the city of heaven to their particular aspirations their particular preferences the emperor will of course be taking a step back still ruling but the virtue will eventually become her successor. And the other reason is, I must admit, rather petty and personal and frivolous, and I needn't bore the three of you with its details. Could be important. You're here, aren't you? Well, I, I suppose I am. I suppose a small, petty, selfish and unworthy part of myself enjoyed the rhythm that the Emperor and I had cultivated over these past over half eight centuries of knowing each other. So the virtue, of course, would become the emperor's new confidant, her champion, her spokesperson. And I, I would still do my work. I would still be a bureaucrat. I would still be a court liaison, but have less of a connection with the emperor from there on out. It's a hard thing to lose. Oh, oh, well, I've I've always known that my position was not going to be permanent ever since the role of virtue was declared well, during the very beginning of the game. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Xiaochong cocks their head to the side, blinks at you, Lumira, those big orange eyes fixing upon you, and a glimpse of authentic empathy rises in their face. No, no, it doesn't. But regardless, this is quite the conundrum I have found myself in, so I am very grateful that the three of you have arrived, no matter the circumstances and the ability for you to breach through the sealed gates. Again, the three of you must be very competent to do so. We're lucky. You honor us. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose then the next step might be to just try and look up these locations, see whether there's any trace of the candidates. What do you think, both of you? They're the closest to everything at the heart of this. I think getting somewhere closer to that range would be very smart. Lumira's eyes haven't fell off of Zhao Chong though. That tone switch between something solemnly hurting them, but refocusing to the mission at hand, she gets it. And weird, not weirdly is empathetic, but kind of softens a bit. She's observing them while also trying to parse what's happening. Well, Sayer, your suggestion is actually quite good. I was going to suggest that to the three of you if you hadn't come up with it yourself. So, these past few days, I have not just been simply sitting idly upon my hands. I have spent days scouring the city by myself, but... Alas, I am but a single soul. I haven't been able to cover nearly as much ground as I'd like, and besides, it's possible I might have missed important things in the places I did look. So if I were you, yes, I would start with the stomping grounds of the four most powerful people in the city of heaven, aside from the emperor himself. Like I said, the candidates for the position of emperor's virtue. First, there is Yan Zhiling. She is the gentlewoman scholar. She founded and stewards the Vermilion Library, the city of heaven's greatest repository of knowledge and art that I've surely ever seen. Mine. Sayer stares at the mirror. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, Xiaocheng's eyes twinkle with delight as you say that, and a smile grows slightly larger on their lips as they continue. After that, there is, of course, Lu Hua, the blacksmith's apprentice. Though an apprentice, she is very charming, very honest, and pretty much everyone in the city likes her. She studies under Gang Shuijiang, who runs the White Forge. Both of them work there all the time, hammering away. It's quite a sight, or rather sound, to behold when they're actually here working the forge. And then there is Mu Chunzing, which I mentioned earlier. They are the dutiful head administrator of the city. They spend their time in the Azure complex that surrounds the royal palace itself, plugging away at their bureaucratic responsibilities. You'll find all kinds of records, censuses, and ledgers there, all kinds of paperwork. And finally, there is Langhui, the heavenly liaison. She is the de facto leader of the Black River. It's a water town in the lower layers of the city. He's in charge of diplomatic relationships between the sister realms on behalf of heaven, including to the underworld, though everyone around here also knows him as an unofficial information broker. Really, you can't cough without Longway knowing about it. Sounds like they might know a thing or two about what happened. Yes, most certainly, if they were here. Those are your prospects. Sounds like a place to start. Yeah, I think the broker might be a great place to start, just to at the very least, narrow out our scope here. If, Xiaochang, you mentioned that you sealed up the gates because of fear of ghosts arriving on, and demons. Demons, yes. I've been attempting to do my best forging letters back to the underworld in the hand of the various representatives they've been in contact with, but I, I worry their suspicions might be mounting. They might be knocking on the City of Heaven's door any time now, so to prevent a curious person from just popping up and peeking around, I've sealed the gates. And uh, you scoured the palace, yes? I did. Nothing suspicious? <sighs> Nothing out of the ordinary, like here. Well, plates on the ground, food spilled, votive offerings toppled over as people carrying them suddenly vanished. But outside of that, well, speaking of which, that's why the hole in the bridge was there. You know, floating above there was the Spear of Seven Storms. It's been floating above the apex of Tali Bridge for generations now, but the magic sustaining it must have snapped when the mist came and took everyone, I suppose. So it fell and exploded and there's the hole, though it was much smaller before the three of you got here. Yeah. <clears throat> Zainan totally hides his face behind the brim of his hat and just kind of looks down into the goose like, this is between us. Don't, don't <laughs> tell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, goose is happily slobbering all over the hem of your robe and not saying anything. Well, I suppose we should start investigating um, the liaisons, uh, the broker's place. I think that would be a good place to start. And that's lower, lower down. Uh, Sayo is trying so desperately to pivot the conversation away from the bridge. <laughs> because he sees Zidon like tucking his face beneath the hat and he's just like, yeah, uh, which, which direction, uh, Chang? we are new. Oh, just down. As you can see in the hole blasted through the bridge over here, that was again, much smaller before you got here. If you would just come with me and, and lean over the precipice and Xiaocheng gestures for the three of you to come right up to the edge of this hole. Sayer, furrows his brows because he remembers a certain other event in the Wild Sea where he was asked to do the exact same thing and then he quietly chastises himself. How could he look so suspiciously upon Xiaocheng? He should be kinder, like she was. 
And he leans over and does as he is told. Next to Seer, Zainan steps forward and looks over. And there's almost a ghost of the memory of standing on the railing, haunting Zainan as he looks over at Seer. The same nose, brow, and he stops, just gives a ghost of a smile and crouches down so that he can hold the ledge and look down without falling in. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, Kai. Okay, uh, what about Lumira? I want both of... Don't Jesus fuck Val like you ain't start the bullshit. Don't even start. (laughs) Don't even start. I'm the one in pain over here. The fuck? Um, Let's see. Uh, Lumira, opposite of them... Right now, she has a task. And not only a task, but a task that involves a library. Lumira is over here, like tunneled vision on this. So she was probably the first to the railing and is looking over because she ain't have nothing to do with that explosion. Once again, that's that's the that's, true. that's the he hymns that ain't got shit to do with me so yet it ain't got nothing to do with you yet nothing to do with you yet um yeah so she's like looking over and still is trying to put these pieces together sure All three of you see a dizzying drop to the next layer of the city, essentially. So the city of heaven is comprised of these huge granite, beautiful oscillating mountain peaks upon which various courtyards and complexes are built. It's very much a tiered city, right? There's floating waterfalls and huge bridges that arch between various peaks. And the peaks are not all made equal. Some of them are much shorter than the others. And there's layers, like thick layers of different districts and neighborhoods titrating down, 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 and up, up, up. So as you look down, you see various sections just leading down, 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 apparently unending. And Xiaochong points down and says, it's at the very bottom of that. Well, at the very bottom being relative, of course, everyone knows the city of heaven is unending. Well, I hope none of y'all skipped leg day. And Lumira gets, (laughs) is like, uh, like, Let's go. <laughs> Sayer leans down and says, that's quite a ways down. Is there a faster way down or do we just walk each layer? At that, Xiaochong cocks their head to the side, a little bit confused and interested in what you said. Usually the gods just float down. Oh. <laughs> and surely as such high ranked and esteemed cultivators, it would be no issue to cast a small wind spell or some sort of Levitation Sutra. Oh, of course. That should be rather simple. Huh. Yes, child's play. Yes. 100%. I just didn't want to be Uh impolite. Excellent. Then I suppose it's best if we split up and cover some ground. Goose and I can go to either the Vermilion Library, I was thinking, or the White Forge. Either way, let's meet up at the gates of the Imperial Palace itself. How about tonight? Sounds perfect tonight that's wonderful excellent it's uh wonderful to find somebody in all this emptiness oh oh yes it seems my prayers to the mist itself 
have been answered. I, I cannot overstate my gratitude to the three of you. And please, please, please do remember to keep this conversation to ourselves. I don't suppose you will run into anyone, but if you do, let me know as soon as possible. And if you run into anyone who is not from the city of heaven, other mortals like yourselves, or a, uh, a very persistent demon who might've popped through a seal, just like the three of you have, make sure to keep things under wraps as much as possible. We want to affect a display of, of strength and, and order. And how do we contact you if something like that were to happen? Oh, well, I suppose I can leave Goose with you. Hmm. Zynan crouches down to Goose, kind of like holds out a hand to kind of tug a little bit of his head away. <laughs> you, uh, good at finding each other? Yes. I can basically tell wherever Goose ends up being in the city of heaven. I wasn't expecting to form such a deep attachment to an animal. But here we are. Birds have that effect. Xiaochong cocks their head to the side. Are you a fan of birds? I uh, have spent quite a bit of time with them. What kinds of birds? All sorts. Big. Yeah, Xiaochong waits for you to, to give more detail. Some more peculiar ones, but also I've seen my fair share of geese and waterfowl. Oh, yes. Well... There were all sorts of divine beasts, bird-like beasts included in the City of Heaven, but they were also taken by the mists. Hopefully we find them all. So just see you, huh, Goose? Goose lets go of Zainan's hem and lets out a honk. And Xiaochong leans over and taps Goose on the, on the head and speaks a, a spell word. Lianzia, poof. And magic ripples downward from Goose's feathers, ensconcing them in a bright orange glow for a second before settling back down. And Goose com looks otherwise completely unchanged. Hark! Wonderful. Now you can tap him and speak unto him as though you were speaking unto me. Wonderful. Uh, tapping Geese seems to be a very safe pastime here. Lumira, you were interested in going to that library. Are you headed that way or are we headed towards the uh, Black River? You know where I want to go, but if it would follow the mission better to head to the river, we can put the library off until later. Your call. I mean, if our investigations shore up not very much in the Black River, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to head back to the library after. Gives you more time, so you're not rushing either. Fair enough. To the Black River. Very well, we will meet again at the gates of the royal palace itself tonight. In the meantime, I wish the three of you the best of luck and fortune in your investigation. And Goose, make sure you behave, you're in front of polite company now. <laughs> we will see you this evening at the gates of the palace. Xiaocheng nods. They turn their robes billowing around their shins, and then they step up into the air as though there were a platform underneath them, but there's just wind. And they step over the edge of the railing and they're off. They float through pure clouds and air and wind as though it were nothing at all to them. And then they vanish around a corner, swallowed up by the curve of a gorgeous garden-laden courtyard. Goose looks a little lonely. <laughs> I was going to say, Lumira looks down at Goose and then looks to Zainan and then down at Goose again and looks to Sayir. You two are responsible for him. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah, yes, Lumira. Uh, and Sayir looks at the Goose and knows he has no real experience with foul. Uh, 
he's he's kind of just here and he'll just like look over to Zainan and and nod of the shared shared responsibility that they have <laughs> congratulations you're now dads to a goose yeah Lemire's like I'm not touching that with a pole <laughs> this is Zainan's best day yet <laughs> he gets a goose <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like Ooh. Zainan's like goose yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> he looks down into this big hole where there was bridge and maybe was more bridge not long ago. It looks back to Lumira. You got any bright ideas how to get down there? Really? Actually, I do. I've been wanting to test this out. Oh, thank God. Uh, we'll see. Um, I'm going to... This is what I want to do because you said way down, God's float. And I was like... Oh, but what if fuckery? I want to create a liminal around all of us. Okay. To carry us down to the bottom, essentially. And it's not going to like, we're still going to be walking, but I want it to speed up the time that it's going to take for us to walk all the way down the steps. So essentially, I'm kind of creating an escalator for us to cut our movement time in half. Yeah, love that. Sure, love her. by taking like just stairs and ramps down, right? But with a liminal, so you're speeding it up. Okay, I think this attempt counts as channeling your power. So, to better aid our table's particular playstyle and the setting of City of Heaven, I have taken the liberty of hacking City of Mist's moves into three categories. This move we're about to invoke fits under Rift Moves, which is what I've written, uh, under Channel Your Power. So, when you channel your mythos or logos to overcome an obstacle, reshape the environment, or extend your senses, describe how your power flares and roll 2d6 plus tags. So, Lumira, what tags are you invoking and how does your power manifest around you as you attempt this? I'm going to use my creating liminals mm-hmm. tag. And I also wonder if Shielded by time would also be a interesting tag to use as well in this regard, if I can use both of them. You know what? I'll allow it. You could also even use control of time under. Oh, yeah. Actually, I lie. I'm going to use that one. So I'm going to use creating liminals and control of time instead. Excellent. I'm going to invoke your weakness tag, which okay. doesn't understand its power. Makes sense. For your chronology, this is very new and you're attempting something very specific. So in total, that's a plus one. Plus so you one. can mark attention under pocket watch because I'm invoking the weakness tag. Okay, cool. And when we mark attention on a theme card, that means once you hit three attention on a theme card, you get to choose an improvement. And how you mark attention is whenever the GM or you yourself voluntarily invokes the weakness tag to basically like limit yourself for the sake of the story. Go ahead, Zainan. Uh, I was just going to pitch a little bit of more mechanics of us all making a plan together. We have a mechanic for that. Oh, we, we do, do have a mechanic, have a mechanic for, that. for that. Yes, we do. That's true. So 
so that the audience at the table also understands. In addition to each character having theme cards, you also have a crew theme, which in your case is Strike Team Nova, and your crew theme also grants you power tags that you can invoke. However, crew theme power tags are what's known as crispy. Essentially, once you use them, they're burnt, which means you can't use mm. them again until you take a long time to reset them. So the power tag I assume you're all going to invoke is the plan, which is which is under Strike Team Nova. So that would grant Lumira another plus one. Okay. So that's a plus three total, minus one. So that's a plus, plus two. two. 2d6 plus two, go for it. Okay, let me go to channel my power. 10. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for oh. that power tag. Thanks for the crew yeah, tag. That, was needed. that saved that it. That was needed. That fucking okay. saved it. So on a 10 plus, the effect is exactly as intended. You do it. So Lumira, describe to me what it looks like as your power flares out and you take everyone all the way to the bottom of the city of heaven, relatively speaking. I think what happens is almost similar, almost a little bit similar to, to Sing's deuses as she walks up. Lumira's liminal works almost as if gears are orbiting around all of you. So it's like these gold spectral gears pop up around all of us and link together and they all move in tandem with each other that operate in concentric circles around us as we walk. And you notice that time doesn't really change. It's almost as if the earth around us is still if you're paying too close attention. You don't notice it while we're moving, but if you're just just a little bit closer, the earth literally is still around us. Leaves that are falling from trees are stuck in space, almost frozen, until we reach the bottom and the daises and circles drop, gears drop, and then that's when everything moves back in time to the way it was supposed to. Oh, that's so sexy. Oh, I love that so much. How are Sayer and Zion responding to this? The moment that the gears begin to appear, Zion immediately looks at his hands, kind of looks under his kimono actually, just kind of checks to make sure that he's not flaking away. The last time he saw this, Truly, the first time he really saw it was Lumira using this same power over liminals to unmake someone. So he wants to make sure that he's whole. He just became flesh and blood again, and he wants to make sure that that stays for a little while. Mm. Sayer looks at this with a very furrowed brow. He did not see this power in the Wild Sea. He was elsewhere, but he does remember of an old conversation under glittering lights at dim blue walls of an observatory. A budding power, an unknowable power, something haunting beneath the surface, and Sayer just stares at Lumira, seemingly weaving this with aplomb, mastery. And all he says, looking at her, it clumsily falls out of his mouth. This is new, right? Lumira stays silent just for a second too long. 
Seems as though we all have changed. Haven't we? Sayer feels that arrow buried deeper into his chest. The arrow launched by Artemis, by Diego, and now by Lumira. Well, I suppose so. And he smiles, and it's so shallow of a smile, but he wears it nonetheless. But that sure beats falling down. <sighs> Don't want to do that again. As the final clock gear grinds to a halt and then dissipates, you see a cherry blossom petal that was suspended in midair right next to you flutter past, specifically past Zynan's eyes, and then more regular leaves from a nearby tree as all of you find yourselves now in the midst of the Black River. This episode was edited by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplaner RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Stardiers, Jordan, Derek Davidson, Phil, Mark J, Astrid, Spencer, Lyle and Peanut, Rose, Alex, The Bow System, Cassidy, Lex, Charles, and Cora Eckert. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds!